the best of Easter begins with a full honey baked spread. Mm. It's the thing that brings flavor to all the fun and festivities. Ooh. The bites that make all your guests grateful that Easter's here a little early this year. Enjoy the sweet and crunchy glaze of Honey Bake's bone in half ham, mouth watering sides, and desserts. Mm. And make this year's Easter the best tasting one yet. Cheers. Every bite is a celebration with the Honey Baked Ham Company. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Hello and welcome to episode 62 of What Most People Think. Happy, happy lockdown day, everybody. Happy lockdown day. What a very special day, isn't it? Lockdown day. I came, came down this morning, came down this morning. I'd left out, I'd left out mince pies and my liberty. And I came down, sure enough, they were both gone. What a, brilliant. I'm so happy. We're, do, we're doing it again. We're doing it again. I must admit, it, it does feel a little bit different this time, doesn't it? Because even though it went on for fucking ever... Last time, it did eventually come to an end. Um, so look, I'm, I'm trying to be positive. This isn't what I wanted. I'm not pro-lockdown, but um, it must be said that this time, knowing that lockdown was going to happen, I did put in a lot of socialising uh, in the period leading up to it. So there's a very strong argument that my bank balance and my liver actually need some sort of lockdown to recover. But it just it just hits you, though, doesn't it? I've been busy as fuck this today, and I've been... Just thought, I thought, well, you know, what I might do. I might go into town for lunch. You know, at least I don't have to make lunch. I'll just go in there and get some fucking overpriced toasty <laughs> from a Nero. You know, four pound fifty for a fucking toasty. Although the one with mushrooms is good, and you can't do it. I can't go for coffee. I can't go for a quick pint. I, can't, I was thinking I need some new jeans earlier. I need some new jeans. How are the blokes that listen to this? What are you like? Do you just wear? Do you have three that are in rotation and that you change them when it gets a bit itchy? That certainly is my approach to the wearing of jeans. But anyway, I've got to buy them online now. Got to move into the future because I can't actually go and try them on. Just don't shut the playgrounds this time. I don't, I've said this before, I cannot deal with playgrounds being shut. It's too, it's like that bit in Terminator 2 after the nuclear bomb blast. It's just something about it. I may go full vigilante if they shut the playgrounds. So this is what most people think, and uh, it seems like as we go to air now, this is part of the reason I'm getting it out early, is that most people think that Joe Biden is going to win. Trump definitely got way more votes than expected, and I think that what most people think is pollsters, people who put together polls, clearly don't know what the fuck they are doing. They just don't know. They just don't know. But anyway, we'll get onto all that, and I'll explain our guest in a minute. Uh, weekly cuss count. So... David Domain is alive and well. I have had contact. I'm sure you'll all be uh, pleased to know that the man who puts together the weekly cuss count, David Domain, he's okay. And he's actually been as good, he's been good enough to go back to the Mark Nelson episode and compile a cuss count for that. So this is two weeks ago. This was episode 60, I think. We had one bullshit, six fucks, one fuckers, seven fuckings, one piss and one pissing, two pricks, a shat, 
Past tense shit is always welcome. Two shits and one wanker, which works out at 0.3 a minute. And we're finding that that is, you, if you've listened for a while, you'll know that's a fairly standard ratio for an episode that does have a guest. And as I predicted, uh, Mark Nelson, very similar to me on the swear in front. One bugger, one fuck, seven fuckings, one pissing, two shits and one wanks. I can't remember what context that was in. It was like a present tense wanks. Uh, and then from last week's episode, I mean, this is just now so many swear words in the beginning of the show, but they don't count. A lot of people ask me, do they count towards a tally? They absolutely do not. Last week was a solo episode. We had two bastard, one bollocks, one cunt, eight fuck, one fucked, past tense fuck, 23 fucking, one piss, two shit, one twat, 0.8 swears a minute. That's pretty much absolutely bog standard, as you'll know. Now, Patreons, uh, hellos to people. Adrian Camillero, who's been a patron for a while, I think, and sounds like a left-back for Napoli. Welcome, uh, and thanks for your support. If you want to join the Patreon, keep the podcast weekly. I mean, obviously, it is staying weekly at the moment, but ad-free. I've had a few approaches for adverts so far because of the level that the Patreon is at. I've been able to knock them back. And you don't, I won't lie, there is a part of me that the moment I've done that has gone... Everyone just fucks off from the Patreon. By the way, there's always cancellations of Patreon. There's always a handful at the end of each month, and it might be that people's financial situation has changed, but I've also heard from people where they've just been bumped out without them knowing. So do have a quick check for your Patreon, because there's some stuff coming up, which I'll tell you about actually in a minute. Stephen Maudsley. Stephen Maudsley. Maudsley. Mark McAvoy, proving last week's theory that alliterative names kick ass. Mark McAvoy. You're a Scottish actor, Mark McAvoy. The new film about Queen Elizabeth starring Mark McAvoy as the plucky Scott. Is there any other kind of Scott in films? Plucky Scott? Scottish people do well in films, don't they? Hollywood is right up the arse of the Scottish. (laughs) Scottish people are always great characters, you know? And if there's one bad Scottish person in the film, it's the one that's sucking up to the English. And Gavin Finlay, which could well be uh, another Scottish name there. So look, I don't know if you've seen social media today, but I have an announcement. I have a book out. Well, it's available for pre-order. It's called Where Did I... Well, a book, Jeff. What, like every other prick in show business? Yeah, but you know what? This has been signed off before lockdown happened. I didn't just think, oh, I'm going to write a book because I've got nothing else to do. Uh, it was signed off before, and the book is called uh, Where Did I Go Right? Brackets, How the Left Lost Me. And it's a memoir... But unlike these political memoirs, they always come from the liberal left, don't they? They always come from people, great people like Matt Ford, you know, and, you know, the likes of James O'Brien and, you know, that, that book about that guy that, that was grew up during the Blair years. All the funny little witty books always come from that side. So this is about, you know, growing up in South London with fucking batshit crazy parents and how that despite my old man being trade union, my mum having run for a Lib Dem councillor, living on a council estate, disabled parents, everything said Labour, but in the end I ended up voting Conservative. And also, I'll be honest, it's supposed to be a funny book. So it's trying to use the stories of the kind of nutters that I grew up around and, you know, to make an entertaining book. And then the last bit of the book sort of focuses on, on the insane last 10 years we've had democratically. And it is available for pre-order. So if you check, uh, by the way, Patreon and mailing list, Uh, I can't do anything on the price because of the way these things work, but there will be a special little extra coming to you and you'll have the link either via mailing list or in your Patreon inbox. If you want to pre-order it now, do pre-order it now. Give me, I mean, these publishers have been brilliant with me. It's uh, Monterey who are part of Octopus, I think, are the bigger group. All their books previously have been coming from a different angle politically, so they've taken 
a real risk on me. And I just want to repay them as soon as possible because I, I, it's natural to be shitting yourself. Like they're, they're just thinking, can this prick sell a single book? We've got no evidence of this. Please give them evidence. And the other thing is, is just tell your missus or your fella, look, just pre-order this for me. You know that thing you was going to get me? Don't fucking get it. Because A, I don't like socks. Or B, your choice in laundry is slutty. It's too slutty. <laughs> it's slaggy. You know, no, no one ever wants to be slaggy. This is what men don't understand. Women are quite happy with being slutty. Slaggy, on the other hand. Um, so, yeah, that is out there. And I just hope that I hope that people like it. Anyway, I'm going to go into a needy thing. It's out there. It's all, it's all, all the links are up on my social media, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Insta. Right? I am on Instagram. I'm shit at it, but I'm on it. So, look, now back to the real business here. This is why you tune in. What most people think. The guest this week is because we are. I'm recording this on Thursday and getting it out on Thursday because we're still in the maelstrom of the US election. I've got a brilliant guest for you, uh, Eric, McElroy, who, uh, Eric McElroy, who's a stand-up, a very funny stand-up, but for the last 10 years or so, like me, he's been talking about his politics. He is on the Democrat side of things, but he's also, he's fair, do you know what I mean? He's not He's not the kind of guy that's just out there to make the same cliched insults about uh, people from the other side. Well, he might make the odd one. But let's see. But he's going to give us a lowdown on the election stuff uh, as it stands now. So I had, I had a chat with Eric and that's going to be um, coming up. Before we go to that, a quick thank you and a fuck you. Uh, I just want to say thank you to uh, The Mandalorian, which is back on our screens. I watched the first episode last Friday. And my God, what a mistake I made with the first series watching it on my laptop. You know, you just get it in your head, like, because the laptop is convenient. You think, oh, I'll just watch it on my laptop, it's just easy. No, watch this shit on the big screen. That was, I mean, that was pure fan service. If you're a Star Wars fan, they were down there fucking their head bobbing, <laughs> looking up appealingly. You're like, yes, another Tuscan Raider. Yes, another Bantha. Um, look, by the way, if you don't understand what Star Wars, this is all going to sound like absolute nonsense. But my God, what a gratifying episode that was. It was uh, it was just like good fast food. It was it was it was incredible. So I'm looking forward to the second episode of that. And uh, just a quick fuck you is I went out with my pals Jonesy and Torbsy. I think Jonesy listens to this podcast regularly. Torbsy he checks in sometimes. And we went to a curry house, and it's fair to say it wasn't the pre-lockdown experience we were expecting. Because poor bastard, he's taken over this curry house seven days before. Like no, it wasn't even that. Like five days before national lockdown. And usually it was bring your own beer. So I'd been to the Tesco's. I got seven Cobra, four Cobras for seven quid. So, But he was like, no, 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 you can't bring your own beer. Uh, and we said, well, it still says outside your shop, outside your restaurant, that you can bring your own beer. Anyway, he brings out the Poppadoms. The Poppadoms were chewy. That is the last... I mean, Poppadom is almost like it means brittle. That's what it means. Like when Nasser Hussain was called Poppadom Hands, wasn't racist, wasn't racist. It was because he, they would break very easily. And then he brings out like the sources. And I don't know about you, but <clears throat> something started going wrong in this country where curry houses stopped bringing out lime pickle as a matter of course. Like you got to ask for it. Like, mate, you've got to understand, I'm here for the lime pickle. I'm here to just fuck up my middle aged intestines and need Gaviscon. It's just it's part of the experience. And then he put the heating up. I don't know if he was trying to make us drink more so we would buy his beers. And then I bought a couple of his Cobras out of pure guilt. And he had the lights up really high. It's like, it like it was with the heat, and like it was like we were being fucking interrogated. Uh, but thank God, the main courses, the main courses delivered. I had a chicken dan sack, which sometimes can be on the sweet side, 
but the Sagaloo. How often does the Sagaloo pull it out of the fire? So it, no, it was great to see my mates, and um, but but yeah. So now you know the disappointing curries I have will all be in my fucking house. Thank you very much, Boris. Okay, so welcome to what most people think, Mr. Eric McElroy. Hello. So, Eric, it's probably B. I mean, let's just time code this because things are moving very fast. It is the 5th of November. We're starting this recording at 20 past 10. What is the situation on the ground right now? Uh, Well, I've gone from there was a moment on uh, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning where uh, I think most people who are I'm of the Democratic ilk uh, were just going, oh, my God, it's 2016. There goes Florida. North Carolina slipping away. What the fuck? Yeah. And as the dawn sort of extended, things got a little bit better. And then we got a shining ray of good news from no less than Fox News when they called Arizona for Trump. And um, and things have gotten slightly better since then. Well, um, so that's interesting. Coming. I mean, just looking across the media, you're already seem to be striking a slightly less pessimistic tone, the mainstream media, which pretty much seems to believe that Biden will win now. But it's a question of how complicated uh, it will be. Yeah, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm not willing to say, I mean, I, you know, I obviously got it. I didn't think Trump would win in the first place back in 2016. This race, it's been closer than the polls had said it would be. And, you know, I didn't, I never wanted to get ahead of it because I'm a, I'm a superstitious person and no one can screw up success like Democrats. Um, it's something, <laughs> it's something remarkable because I'll try and put this a positive spin on this because we're very conscientious and we actually care that leads us to blow it most of the time. Whereas if you have the ruthlessness of a conservative, no, that's exaggerating. But I mean, with, but Democrats definitely shoot themselves in the foot more times than not. You know, even so, though we're the ones who don't like guns. Obviously, uh, you know, with my sort of constituency, there'll be people that want me to challenge things. Like, so immediately, they might pick up on the idea that, <laughs> that they don't care. You know, that, know. Trump, that Trump voters don't care. Um, I mean, he scored. He looks like, in terms of the popular vote, if, if that is the assertion, then it's nearly half of people don't care. Or is it more complicated yeah. than that? It's a lot more complicated than that. And I'm not one of those. I mean, I, I consider I'm very much a centrist, um, you know, on the liberal side of the fence. I'm not one of those people who say that all Trump supporters are racist and that kind of thing. I, I know that there's people who have legitimate grievances and connected with his message and mm. um, and and are voting in a protest vote in a lot of ways. I mean, he was elected to essentially shake up the system and burn things down. And they like that message and he's and they still see him doing that. I think from a perspective of somebody who tries to absorb as much media across platforms as I can, the message that they're seeing though, when they're seeing some of the things that he has done have been, are not the things they're gonna support a lot of the people who are voting for him. You know, the poor working class white Americans, you know, the policies he actually puts forward don't benefit him most of the time, but they don't know that because they've, we've segmented our media so dramatically there where the, he's got them to only believe his message. and. I hope your supporters will allow me to go out and at least say, or your listeners, I mean, that he doesn't always tell the truth. That's fair. I mean, look, throughout this podcast, my line has always been that I do not like Donald Trump. You know what I mean? uh, But I I do would defend his voters, you know, the vast majority of his voters, because I do think that there is that issue in any democracy when you're offered a binary choice that you have to make imperfect choices. And I think that that's where a lot of people... 
uh, end up coming down. I mean, it's certainly one thing I've noticed in the last few days where certainly when it seemed like Trump was going to win, everyone's going, oh, it's just it's just personality. You know, it's just the people who are taken in by his charisma. But they were the same people that a few days ago were showing a video of Obama shooting hoop and going, I miss Obama. <laughs> so my my protestation is the thing is that that does work both ways. I mean, like with Obama, a lot of us don't know that much about American politics. We just kind of like the way he made us feel. Yeah. Well, I mean, when he shot that three-pointer, um, when he killed that fly, I mean, do you remember the video of when he killed the fly? Did you ever see that? Yeah, yeah. I've forgotten. Sitting, yeah. sitting there in the interview and a fly, and he just slaps his hand and just flicks it off. It's like, look at that. I mean, geez. Yeah, but that's that's the point. It's just what often happens with liberals is they think, well, no, but I, that what that was cool. But then what they yeah. don't understand is Rust Belt voters might think it's really cool when Donald Trump does something quite belligerent. Arguably, you know, they might be coming from a slightly different uh, moral code. Have, have you been surprised by his performance in the popular vote? Yeah, I mean, I Biden wasn't my first choice for uh, the Democratic. Who, who was your first choice? I, I did like Kamala Harris. I did like Pete Buttigieg, but he was mm. uh, the mayor from. Um, was it South Bend, Indiana? Um, uh, he, but he was, he, A, he was quite young and he's also gay, which I knew wouldn't potentially, that could become a barrier for some voters. And, um, and so, you know, you're just looking at somebody as, as uh, you know, who's gonna win, which was the goal, you know, when you want to, when you want to do that, you kind of think, well, who's gonna be the best fit to reach across um, the people that we need to connect with? And I think obviously we need to connect with more voters in certain areas than Hillary Clinton did. And, you know, her unlikability was a big issue. The legacy, she was easier to demonize. Mm -hmm. um, and they did that very effectively. She helped a lot with that. Um, but, uh, but Biden did, I think, you know, and we, you know, obviously it's not done yet, but he did manage to connect with some of those kind of rural um, white voters, which is, you know, how we categorize people very very, I mean, when you look at U.S. politics versus U.K., but here we tiptoe around these things like, well, I think that there's maybe some people that might be, you know, potentially Asian that might vote yeah. one way, but we don't want to. But in the U.S., it's like, nope, the black voters do this, the white voters do this, the Hispanics yeah. are over here, the Cubans, they're different than the Puerto Ricans. And you're just like, after living in the U.K. for 20 years, I'm like, I'm not sure if I should be discussing it this way. I like but, it. Yeah. That's what I like about Americans generally is just a, 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 that bluntness. There's a direct, I love being British, very patriotic about this country, but I also think there's something fundamentally dishonest in the way that we pussyfoot around things. <laughs> like the American celebration of wealth, I always think is, is honest. I yeah. think the British people love money just as much, but they want to make out like it's this accidental consequence of how they've arranged everything in their life. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that, that actually is a really good point about what is frustrating to someone who, I think because I, I'd like to, I know that people have chosen their truth these days. So it's hard to even say this is a fact. People celebrate wealth in America. And that was the appeal of Donald Trump. He came out on day one. And in addition to calling Mexicans rapists, he also said, I'm very rich, very rich. And a lot of Americans went, I want to be very rich as well. But what we've learned since then is that he's not very rich. He's a terrible businessman. He owes between three and $400 million to someone outside of the United States that we don't know who. And that's dangerous for a president to be in hawk that much to someone who could you know, manipulate his personal finances. So the whole yeah. idea of him actually being rich is a sham. But I would imagine at this moment, since we timestamped it, I'm, I'm using Fox News numbers here, more than 68.6 .6 million voters voted for that sham. And yeah. that's the part that I don't know how we have an honest conversation about his his real weaknesses that, you know, some people I know will never believe, you know, they'll call me a liar and they'll send me a YouTube video of 
Well, so, Dave, you know. I mean, like what you say about his his wealth or lack of it, there's a brilliant line by Bill Burr where he's convinced that Donald Trump couldn't get you five grand in cash if he had to. Yeah. <laughs> like he didn't, put just... a, he didn't put a penny into his own campaign this time. But so, just even if there is money, so leveraged, like he doesn't actually, yeah. like his per diems, like he doesn't have much going on. I mean, like if, if, let's drill down into that, you know, how many people voted for him. One, one of the theories I've had about Trump for a while is that what he says is often a lot worse than what he does, right? So if, if you assess his presidency, certainly in the UK, we see the bad things, we see the things about Mexicans being rapists, we see the tweets, which obviously are not my style of politics. And, uh, you know, I, I object to those like fundamentally. But if you actually look at what he did, you know, in terms of the economy, foreign policy, you know, I heard a lot of Americans and I was trying to listen to Americans on phone-ins. First president in 20 years that hasn't started a war or been involved in war. I mean, that is like that. He really did deliver on not doing wars. I think, but I think a lot of that is down to luck. I mean, there's just hasn't been, um, I mean... What, I mean, Obama did some stuff. Either but would you have said that if that had been Obama, though? If Obama had gone yeah. a whole term without a war, would I mean, is, is this are we both guilty of seeing things through such a prism? Yes, I mean, sure, of course we are. I mean, I, there's other things, but I mean, but part of that is just happenstance and and, and you know the timings of what happens in world politics. Um, you know, what would have been, or where would have been the conflict unless you fabricated one? You know, in the last four years, so, true. I mean, that that, is that question point. is there, but but I think. But what about then the progress with sort of North Korea and, and in in the Middle East? I mean, the North Korean thing in particular was this kind of radical reset. Will we, if Trump does lose, it seems like he's going to lose, will maybe foreign policy be the one thing in his legacy that might stand up? Well, what did we get out of the North Korea, you know, uh, thing for, what is it, a year or two ago? You know, we got the photo op for Kim Jong-un and they have more advanced technology than they did before the negotiation started. So they still have nuclear weapons, they haven't given up anything, and they got to stand with the president of the United States on the world stage. That was the end result of that. There's been nothing since other than what Trump has called love letters that have been sent back and forth between the two leaders. And, and a pretty so, pretty cool nickname for yeah, Rocket yeah, Man. Rocket that was Man. fun. And, and, and Trump, uh, it, there are many press reports that indicated that Trump managed to get um, a CD of Elton John to... Kim Jong-un, and that was one of the most important things Trump wanted to make sure was accomplished. I mean, I mean let, let's go. Let, let, we, we've both got a cheeky smile on our face right now. Let, let's say that aside of all Trump's failures as human beings, this has certainly been the most entertaining presidency. If you want to smile, there, Trump tweeted it on election day because his closing music at all of the, the, the rallies he did over the last weekend before the campaign was YMCA. Yeah. And if, if you haven't seen Trump dancing, it's it's a sight to behold. It's joyful. Um, it's joyful. I mean, he has this weird, a hammer gesture that he does, and then there's sort of like a tub, double fisted thing going on. Which well, I, I mean, like, say that from phrase, the, but. but from the side, there's a side on one where it does look like he's finishing off two blokes at the same time. A, I, that's what I was trying to hint at, Jeff. But you just took no. It we'll see because you're any Trump. I can say that joke. You know what I mean? Let, let, let's kind of maybe. Yeah, pass I don't want to be totally uh, hated by your listeners. No, but, no. Um, look, yeah. a lot of my listeners. Let, let's bear in mind that you know in the poll of British Conservatives, two thirds wanted Biden to win. So yeah. I think I think that the simple equivocation between the British right and the American right doesn't always. Oh yeah, it's a very different. Hold totally firm. I mean, if we, you know, one thing we can securely do is look back on um, uh, them as both as campaigners. I mean, as mm. campaigns, I I felt like this was quiet in a way. I didn't feel there wasn't much in the way of big policy ideas. It sim- simply seemed to be a battle of who you dislike the least and and a battleground for Corona. How would you characterize? I think um, 
uh, well, I'm, I'm going to do a Joe Biden technique. There's two things I want to say. <laughs> um, uh, one is I think that Trump did finish strong. I think the rallies that he did, whilst they will um, quite likely, according to independent research, actually kill people, um, uh, got people invigorated in his campaign. He, after coming, catching COVID-19 and then coming back so strong um, physically, because he was pumped full of steroids, but you know, he, that, that, like that strength that he's always tried to, you know, present mm. that came through in those rallies. And, um, he's like, I've beat COVID. You can beat COVID too. And people are sick of it. It's just like, you know, we're having the same issues here in the UK. We're sick of the lockdown. We want to, we want a way out. And I think that that definitely helped bring his people to the polls. And they thought, you know what? Trump is strong. I like that. And that appeals, um, over the course of the campaign itself, um, you know, there's been a lot of independent people, including um, a Republican pollster, Frank Lutz, who's called the Trump campaign the worst campaign he's ever seen in his career. And he's, he's known as a Republican pollster, Republican friendly guy. Um, you know, it was, it was a mess. Catching COVID, you know, obviously when he said that COVID wasn't a problem, was a disaster. I mean, when you talk about it wasn't a uh, debate about ideas, the Republican Party didn't even do a new platform. They just took the 2016 platform at their convention and said, yep, we'll have that. <laughs> but the problem was they didn't rewrite it at all. And a lot of what was in the 2016 Republican platform was criticizing the administration, which was the Obama administration. Okay. So they put forward a platform which had language criticizing their own, you know. So there, Trump, was, Trump, Trump wasn't about ideas. Trump was about Trump. One of the weakest moments for me was um, in the first presidential debate where he seemed chaotic at a time when people wanted sort of sense of calmness and somebody um, being in charge. But when you think about Corona, right, if that hadn't happened with the economy being where it was, mm. is it as simple as saying that Trump may have won fairly comfortably if it hadn't happened? Yeah, I mean, he I mean, again, uh, yes, I mean, he definitely I, I mean, I would have made Trump definitely, in my view, um, uh, somebody who could have, you know, walked re-election and been a successful president because he's not more to traditional Republican ideas because it's always been about what he thinks is best either for him at the time is and, and Democrats are always desperate to um, to to govern to govern and to make deals. If he'd moved a little bit to work with the Democrats and said, "I will give you everything you want on infrastructure," because he doesn't Trump doesn't care about the debt because he's signed huge bills. He could have, the Democrats would have said, all right, we'll do a deal. Trump could have gotten lots of deals from the Democrats and I think would have been hugely popular, but he, mm. his strategy was never to grow outside of his own base. It was always just to keep them on side and turn them out in big numbers. Now that strategy almost worked for him, but because um, you know, I've heard, seen a number of people say who hate Trump, that if he had just acted a, a little bit more competently with COVID-19, people would have forgiven everything else. Mm. You know, and he he's denied it and then he got it. And at that debate, I mean, part of the reason he was probably so aggressive is if you look at the timeline, he was definitely infected with COVID at that debate. So because he got a fever. Well, we know about his actual fever the Thursday. This is the day he was on a Tuesday and he did. They acknowledged that he was sick on a Thursday. So and then Wednesday, he was. Yeah, it must flagging. have been. Circulating. He, he was at least infected, if not uh, affected. By the disease at that point. So, so that, yeah, I'm, I'm changing my view then. I actually think he did a pretty bang up job. You know, is <laughs> a debate I, like that with a with COVID nineteen? What could that. he do? This guy, this guy can do uh, uh, pretty much anything. I think with with Biden, one thing that maybe the right over here 
don't understand is that he has got a solid appeal with working class voters. This um, yeah. this idea of Trump being the one that can speak to the working classes, like Biden came from reasonably humble background himself. Very humble. Yeah, yeah. His dad, I mean, the story that he tells, I mean, if you listen to any of his speeches more than once, it's just so boring. So he was born in Scranton. Uh, dad uh, was struggling for work. So he had to go, you know, they had to leave the state to get a job and eventually brought them to Delaware. So he's told that story loads of times. I don't, can't remember what his dad did, but very working class. Um, he is, whilst you know, Trump has labeled him as a corrupt politician because he's been in politics. For, for, Biden's been in politics for forty-seven years. He was when he was in the Senate was ranked among the lowest, uh, least wealthy senators. Yeah. Um, so, um, so he he's got uh, you know obviously he's been in the public eye. He's now made money off being vice president. You know, doing speaking and stuff like that. So he's not he's wealthy now. But he's by no means. I mean, when you can, if you complain about somebody being rich, but then your candidate is Trump, it's a little bit rich. Um, I mean, his campaign, as far as looking at Biden's campaign, I mean, and right now it looks like at least well, it's definitely winning in the popular vote. His his appeal of, I will, I'm a Democratic candidate, but I will be an American president, I thought was a strong message to close on, and he yeah. does seem rather soothing. You know, he's where Trump is your crazy uncle. You know, Biden is sort of your dotary granddad. Mm. And after all the cry, you know, just the, you know, it's just Trump is exhausting. And I know even like if you look at some of the interviews with his supporters, um, you know, just normal people on the street, they're like, I just wish he wouldn't tweet so much. I just couldn't. He just. That, he I mean, he's just. Oh, you know. That was a really interesting thing to mention. I mean, you you yourself have a podcast, right? Which in which mm. you've been speaking to Trump supporters. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so the, the podcast is called American Exchange, and the idea is um, that, you know, me being here in the UK for 20 years to try and figure out what the fuck is going on in America. And um, so I've interviewed a few people that were former Trump supporters. So one of them was uh, Congressman Joe Walsh, who was who was a Tea Party Republican. He, I mean, he got, I mean, he's admitted, you know, he basically, he was kind of on the uh, Obama is a Kenyan train for a while. Um, and he's he's taken that all back. And he basically just says the only thing that he's found to convince people not to vote for Trump is exhaustion. Like I said, you mm. know, he just says, because people are so far into believing everything Trump says. I mean, he's gone as far as calling it a cult. Um, Cause they're not, you know, they're not political supporters. They're fault. You know, they are followers, you know. Well, that's one thing I, I, I thought, you know, listening to American phone-ins and stuff like that is that th there is this perception. I don't like it. It's a very smug British perception. Amer Americans are stupid, you know, mm. and, and I, I didn't seem to find hardly anybody that wasn't aware of his failings, if you know what I mean? Like yeah. exactly as you say, you know, like he tweeting so much and yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a bozo, you know, he's a klutz and, you know, it was an, an, an acknowledgement of, of his failings in a weird way. I think some, somewhat like, um, the, the last election in this country where you had, you know, the idea was that everybody squarely got behind Boris Johnson rather than it being two pretty poor leadership choices between mm. him and Corbyn where people fell down on the other side. You know, in this election, it looks like it might have fallen um, slightly uh, on the left. I mean, with Biden and, and his age, was there was there a fear on your side that he was going to do something incredibly senile at some point? Because he, I don't think he did. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, that was, well, that was, again, the, where Trump has undone himself so many times because he would say that Trump, uh, that Biden was a mastermind of, you know, running, you know, um, a conspiracy against him uh, when he was vice president. But then he would also say that he doesn't know how to tie his own shoes and he doesn't know what he's saying half the time. So yeah. Trump lowered expectations. Joe Biden, Biden, right? Yeah, being coherent. And then it was hard to see it in the first debate because, you know, they just talked over each other. But in the second debate, Biden clearly spoke 
you know, his mind mm. spoke about ideas. And yes, he gets, um, well, he partly gets, he, he's got a historical uh, stutter, which has come out, I think, in his old age. So that sometimes trips him up and he's 78, you know, so, but his, but he would still get out coherent thoughts. So I think that was probably something where Trump, you know, he didn't need to go there. He could have, you know, the, the more successful line against Biden was that uh, he's a closet socialist who will, and his vice presidential candidate is super liberal and that they'll just run rampant. That was a message that did appeal to people. Um, and if he'd stuck with that, rather than saying, oh, he can't talk, and then he would talk and be like, oh, well, he, he doesn't mean to say that, he's just being told to say that. So it was very mixed messaging. It's not mm. one clear thing. And that was one thing that Trump did in 2016 at the, in the closing argument days where people, a lot of people, I mean, you know, this, because I'm not a sports person, so I follow this stuff, you know, even when there's not an election. This is my, you know, I yeah. can give you the stats on politicians. I, th I, I think sports, stats uh, election on has become sport for a lot of people. Yeah, but I mean, for me, but, it, but I mean, so in the, in the closing days of 2016, that's, but the average person starts to focus in like, maybe even the last week sometimes. 2016, Trump was focused in the last three days. He stayed on the mega message, which was very appealing. Make America great again. You know, um, mm. uh, you know, uh, drain the swamp. Very, very clear. If you look at his closing speeches, you know, whilst I do think they invigorated his base, I mean, he was bringing up uh, rapper Little Pump and calling him Little Pimp. Um, that was a great moment that happened in the last weekend. He did a story about how Pavarotti, the opera singer, liked him. Um, I mean, it was very, it was all over the place. And yeah. so, and whereas Biden just kept coming out and people I know, they said, well, he didn't come out and do the big rallies because he's being you know, COVID safe and just kept saying, I will be America's president. Okay, hope you're enjoying the chat with Eric McElroy here. Just got to welcome some five pound patrons. Philip Robinson. Can, I've got to do the song, Philip. I'm sorry. Here's to you, Philip Robinson. Jesus loves you more. Did you did you fuck one of your teachers, Phil? <laughs> uh, there's a guy who's put his name down as Meat with double M double E T. I don't know if he's like trying to tell me that he's 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 well hung or something, and he spelt it wrong, so he's like well hung but stupid, which probably on balance is still not a bad way to be. Uh, but I think his name from his email address, his name is Nick, unless he didn't want to be outed, so I won't say his surname. And Sean Dutton. Sean Dutton, what a solid name that is. Sean Dutton, councillor. You sound like a councillor, like a Tory councillor from like Folkestone West. <laughs> um, just the, the book. I'm just going to hype the book. You better get used to this. Oh, he's going on about this fucking book again. I'm going to be going on about this book. Did I tell about my book? I've got a book out. Pre-order it on Amazon. You know there's no... Uh, you Just pre-order it. I was about to say, there's no specific reason for pre-ordering stuff. It's something to look forward to. And let's be honest, it's coming out in May 2021. You have it in time for the next lockdown. I mean, this brings me on to the next point in a way is that, you know, Trump did, it seems, increase his share among, you know, women. He lost his share among white men, which, I mean, if he does lose the election, this, this is certainly the early narrative that's coming out. It might change, you know, as things go on. Um, he lost his share among white men, which if he does lose the election, having lost white men will be an irony that he'll have to deal with. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, I mean he, he, he's... He's got more votes than he had in 2016. So, you know, more people came on board to support him even after this four years of, you know, we know what he does now um, after well, he's been impeached. But Well, it seems that, you know, he increased his vote among uh, black women, black men, yeah. um, sort of Hispanic, broadly speaking, uh, LGBT community. The point that I think is interesting is, is that 
a shot across the bows of the Democrats. Because just like in this country, it's like, oh, if you're working class, you've got to be left wing. They now know that there's a constituency for, you know, that have ended up falling down on the side of Trumpism. Is that going to temper? Because one of the fears about the left in, you know, in America is that it will veer into this identity politics, socialism, and a lot worse. Will that help Biden anchor it to a more centrist? Um, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I mean, broader as far as the agenda that Biden goes forward with is going to be complicated because it looks like um, they're not going to get back the Senate. So um, the House is is on the liberal side of things. They, they've stayed with the Democrats. The Senate, it's it's still as of Thursday morning, it's too close to call. So the way things work is that a president can say he wants an agenda and wants to do things and that he's got a mandate. It's, I mean, right now, Biden's ahead by three and a half million votes. You know, that's the population mm. of Wales. So that's yeah, that's decent. Uh, and uh, so if he so if he can say, I've got this mandate, these are my ideas. But then he has to convince the House to pass those ideas in some form. And then that has to get ratified in the Senate. If the Senate is controlled by the Republicans, which it could well be. And Mitch McConnell, who is probably out of all the villains or the heroes in this story, Mitch McConnell is actually the real star. He's the one that got a lot of Trump's agenda done. If he's still in power, that will hamper anything that Biden wants to do. So yes, Trumpism doesn't go away because now the Republicans keep that sort of break on any mm. change that might come. I don't. What I don't know is all these people did support Trump, but once Trump isn't there, because at some point he'll, you know, he's seventy-four years old, he mm. may go to jail for some things if he, you know, if you believe he's corrupt as I do. Um, you know what what is left to carry it forward because there's no policy behind Trump other than Trump. He doesn't, he kind of stands for tax cuts, but he doesn't stand for budget responsibility, which is a traditional- well, That's the thing is he's been automatically called like blanket right wing, but in terms of his sort of protectionism- Yeah, it's-, it's That could be seen as incredibly left. Oh, totally. The protectionism is, is far left Bernie Sanders, Jeremy Corbyn stuff. Yeah. So, you know, he's all over the place because it's very transactional with him. That's the thing that's remarkable. You know, it's always a sum of what is best for Trump at the time. Mm -hmm. And even his supporters, I think, would argue that, you know, so he's kind of he's against women's right to choose. Um, but that was just to cater to the evangelicals. So, I don't, you know, what happens with all of those people, because there's no ideas behind it. And it seems like you would traditionally think in politics, you're driven by a philosophy and ideas. But if it's more of a cult of personality, what happens when the personality loses power? And that's going to be fascinating. Is there a danger? You know, we have had that moral certainty in this country for a long time. It's like you cannot vote for the Tories if you come from certain social groups. You know, I, I've experienced it myself. Do you know, is that starting to happen in, in the States there where this kind of like birthright thing of like, well, certainly if you're black, you definitely can't vote for Trump. You know, we've had as far as, as yeah. Biden saying, well, you ain't black, man, to, to one guy in, in an interview trying to decry, deny someone's blackness because they were going to, vote for Trump. I mean, I, just, I personally, as somebody, you know, who's centre-rightist and, and you, you know, quite a sort of, uh, I like people to get on, do you know what I mean? And I, yeah. I, I can see it's such a dangerous thing to do because politically, in terms of narrative, everyone should be competing for the vote. Like the idea that it's this, that, you know, you can rely on certain people seems uh, massively complacent. Yeah, obviously, you want to always be convincing people to vote for you rather than to tell them that they should. I mean, it was a, I mean, in that interview, he was, I can't remember who it was he was talking to. Um, it was somebody who's like a podcaster, you know, it was, it was a fiery exchange and it yeah. was kind of done in a, in a wound up moment of the interview where they were wrapping things up and it was building up. And, and I, 
there was a little bit of tongue in cheek, I think, in saying it. Um, but still, the, you know, it's a massive shout, though. Like being a white guy of that age. In fact, I would say white guy any age, white person of any age, telling someone that they're not black. And I, I think that you know, in in more sober moments, you're right. You know, podcasts are quite free. Uh, but, I, but look, I don't know. I, I'm not a politician at all. I don't think yeah. I would say that on a podcast. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, yeah, we're a little bit safer category because hopefully nobody takes what we say seriously. I mean, that's I mean we haven't said anything in this podcast yet. It's more controversial than what Joe Biden said in that podcast. Yeah. Just to give it um, a, bit, a bit of context. <laughs> Although, if we, you know, you never know. It could be the publicity we need. Um, uh, yeah, I, you can't, you, you shouldn't ever take you know, anybody, any group of people for granted. I, I think that there's a strong case to say, you know, there's well, two things for the African-American community can say, you know, overall their democratic policies do support them more than than Trump's policies would, but, you know, they have been, you know, they've, they've been counted on. And I mean, Biden would not be on the cusp of the presidency if it wasn't for African-Americans and particularly African-American women voters who saved his ass in the primaries because it was, South Carolina? Oh God, or North Carolina. I'm pretty sure it was South Carolina. He he was losing in the primaries, the first couple of states, and then he just blew it out of the water. And you know, my guy, Pete Buttigieg, wasn't appealing to any African Americans. He wasn't getting that. And that's a big constituency in the Democratic Party. So yeah. Biden wouldn't be, and that's part of the reason why Kamala Harris is the vice president. Is that Canada. um is that because they associate him with the the Obama years, obviously yes. by Obama's side and it's I mean it's such a heavy endorsement isn't it yeah I think um I mean you think about it Kamala Harris who was an African-American woman was on in the primary ballot and she lost you know Biden cleaned her clock with you know with the African-American community so you know they weren't voting based on you know oh there's a black woman on the ballot I'm going to vote for her did he claim that she wasn't black as well was that how he did it (laughs) that's what it was I'm black (laughs) Is it as simple as that Biden's really old, he'll lead for four years and Harris will run, you know, at the next election? There's, yeah, there's been uh, the possibility of that. I mean, he's kind of hinted, you know, he wants to be a transitional president um, and that that could be code for, I'm only going to run once. Um, And- uh, Or he could become a woman. I mean, you know, that would appeal to a lot of Democrats. (laughs) There is, there is an argument to be made there. You know, I mean, it would make sense that the first woman president uh, in America was a man, I suppose. (laughs) <laughs> Joanne Biden. He might, have, he might have a better chance of winning if that was actually the case, because uh, there's you know <laughs> latent uh, misogyny. Um, so yeah, she will definitely be you know the front runner for well any campaign mm. that comes next. Um, can, sorry, Jeff, I'm gonna have to do something that's gonna make noise that I'm, I'm asking. Um, my wife is gonna send something to print, even though I told her we're doing a podcast. And it's gonna make okay. Noise. No, I, I understand. It's very hard with wives to make them believe that podcasts mean anything. <laughs> so I hate having to create what may need to be an edit point for you, but... Um, no, no, I think this discussion could be uh, interesting in itself. It is, <laughs> I mean, like, I, ever since I started the Patreon for the podcast, that's been the first time that, that I've had sort of space and and and, uh, and quiet in the house, because it does sort of feel like you're saying, I'm going up to play in my room sort of thing, you know? I'm going up to play being a political pundit. Yep. I, I mean, I, I quite like working from home in some ways and I've enjoyed, I mean, it's made me clean up my office. I mean, obviously, I, I, I can see you. One of the first things I commented on, possibly rudely, um, <laughs> when, when we started was that, that you look like you hadn't slept. But I think that you are incredibly, you know, like some people, like you say, you're not you're not being vicious about Trump supporters. You try to be 
a, a fair man, but it's clear that you you do deeply care about these things. You know, yeah. um, it, you know if. I mean, is it going to be a euphoric moment if Biden gets in, or is the messiness of all this? No, no it's that's... I mean, I was, right now because uh, well, the, again, the Fox News um, uh, they've called it more aggressively. Uh, but, you know, they've been they've been calling it because you know when they call the states, they basically they look at how many votes have come in, they extrapolate yeah. how many votes are left based on trend lines. They say the state's going to go one way or another. Fox News has been the most aggressive because um, their news desk is is independent from the Fox editorial. So aggressive not, in calling for Biden. Call, in calling for either party, you know, oh, calling okay. for either side. Yeah. But they, they've been out on the front um, and uh, they've been really good about, uh, and they're they're separate from the Hannity's and all the, the you know, the editorial side of Fox News. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I've got it here and keep refreshing. And, um, but so they, they've, they're the ones who called Arizona for Biden, which is kind of what took the sales out of the Trump campaign night mm-hmm. and led to that 2 a.m. press conference where Trump came out and basically said, stop voting because I'm winning right now. Oh, stop and, counting. Uh, yeah. Stop counting. Yeah. And because uh, I'm winning right now. And so that's kind of what led to that. So um, can we just characterize what is what is Trump's claim here? Because, I mean, obviously, it seems super mental from uh, a distance. But what his claim is the, the fact that, the, you know, look, they're getting postal votes in. This is the claim is that they're, they're 100 percent Biden. So therefore, yeah. it, it, it seems suspicious. Is there even any truth in that claim that there are 100 no. percent sacks of mail coming no, I, I mean, no, the, the votes are in. Some of the states allow as long as the vote is postmarked as of election day to, for it to be counted. So like, yeah. and that, that all goes back to, um, I don't, I, this was a video I saw on, um, uh, on, on Twitter. So, but it was narrated by Mark Hamill. So I'm assuming that it was true. Um, <laughs> Luke Skywalker said it, I'm pretty sure it's him. But basically the whole postal system of voting came about during the civil war to allow the soldiers to mail in their votes. And so a lot of what drives normally postal voting originally was the military abroad and their right to vote. And then you've got overseas Americans like me, you know, traders. And then you've got, you know, people who more and more states have now moved to postal voting. Like my home state, Washington, is 100% postal voting. So Trump says he didn't mind that, but he didn't like it when people requested a ballot because of COVID. So he said that absentee ballots are fine. So like, because he votes in Florida by mail because he lives in D.C., but um uh, vote by mail was corrupt. Right. You see the difference there? One's called absentee votes and one's called vote by mail. Yes. Because one will probably go for him and the other won't. And that's been the case he's been making. So his supporters didn't vote by mail much. They turned up on the day. Those votes get counted first. And now we've got this big pile of mail-in votes that are now starting to be counted. And some of the states are controlled by Republicans, including Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And they prevented anyone counting those mail-in votes to start until election day. And that's why we're waiting for those results. But that's what Trump's trying to, in two states, he's trying to stop people from counting the votes. In Michigan and Pennsylvania, he's suing for them to stop counting, but he's suing in Arizona for them to keep counting. I just think in looking ahead, you know, if we do end up with a, a Biden presidency, you've been a great political comic now for many years, you know, both been up at the fringe during a similar era, really talking about the things that matter to us. What is the challenge for satirists and comedians during a Democrat presidency? Because it's all been quite straightforward, Trump, isn't it? You know, the old cliche about orange man bad. And, you know, with with Biden, because I certainly remember when there's been Democratic presidents, there's been a slight more of a fondness in the satire, shall we say? Yeah. Well, I mean, one could argue that's because they do less awful things. Um, But... uh... (laughs) 
but that would be bad. but you know there is always that you know that thing about obama there were things that came to light after his presidency that in the cold light of day were perhaps didn't receive the scrutiny that they should have done at the time you know in terms of the uh, number of deportations you know in terms of drone strikes and stuff like that yeah. it, it just shows the value with the liberal left of being able to nail a free pointer yeah and, he, and, and hit and a fly he, and he did <laughs> yeah yeah, that's right. and the fly. Um, yeah, I mean the deportations were there because he was he was trying to show that he was strong on immigration because Democrats easily have get called weak on things like that was why he was aggressive with doing drone strikes. You know, he doesn't want to ever be you know because Democrats got painted as uh, willy nilly you know weak liberals. I think it started under Carter or maybe it goes back further. I don't know, but um, so that means that's that's why Hillary Clinton was always quite aggressive with her foreign policy. I think she was overcompensating in a way for being, you know, oh, she's going to be a woman, so she'll be weak. Oh, she's a Democrat, she'll be weak. So she was always quite hawkish. Um, yes. You know, she supported the Iraq war and all those kind of things. Um, that came to, against her because Obama didn't vote for the Iraq war. He wasn't in government then. So that was one of the things he actually used to defeat her in 2008 in the primary. Um, we do we do need to wrap up. So, so just a prediction, come on, balls out here. What is going to happen both in terms of... The result, who's going to win and, and how far will Trump go with this suing stuff? Is this just saber rattling so he can set a narrative that he never really lost? Well, right now, the states that are left to be called are Nevada, Georgia, New, uh, North Carolina and, and Pennsylvania. Um, Nevada, he, Biden is leading. And um, it looks like the votes that are left to be counted are from Biden friendly territories. So if that, he gets those six, six electoral votes, keeps Arizona, he's at 270, which is the magic number, Biden wins. And obviously he's ahead in the popular vote, which again, because America is the greatest democracy in the world, the popular vote doesn't matter. Um, and then, it, but if Pennsylvania, where there are a lot more votes left to be counted, we're talking like six or 700,000, maybe a million, all from Pen, uh, Biden leaning areas, even though at this moment, Biden's behind, He's, he will win those votes at about 70%, which yeah. is enough to have him catch up. And then that puts him at 290. It's very difficult. So it's like kind of where does Trump sue then? Because he's basically, courts should hopefully see he's only suing because he lost. And the court case from the legal experts I've seen is very weak unless you're you know, a partisan lawyer. So then you just have to re decide what is this guy gonna do until he leaves office on January 20th with the power that he has because he is genuinely facing the risk of prosecution when he leaves office. He, yeah. there, are, there are prosecutions that are on hold because of Department of Justice policies not to prosecute a city president. That, and that's not liberal bias saying that, mm -hmm. that is fact. And there's some state things that he has no way to stop. So he's fa he really is staying in power to hold off the courts. So my prediction has long been that he, um, he has a Trump property in the UAE, in Dubai, and we do not uh, have an extradition treaty with the UAE in the United States. Okay, this is good prediction. I like it. It's really specific. So I think there's a very good chance that we might see Trump spending some time in the beautiful uh, Dubai resort. Trump so we, we're saying that in his last days of presidency, he might become the incredible sulk. Just a, a <laughs> like, let's, let's, let's coin your prediction, my nickname here. Yep, and, um, I like that. And see, and, and maybe revisit this. What I'd love to do is now you're an American correspondent for what most people think. I'd love to get you back on soon and make you take the piss out of Joe Biden. As a committed satirist, I'd like to force you, once he's president, to find uh, lines, legitimate lines of attack on him. I will. Well, listen, I man, I hope that, you know, at some point um, you get some, some sleep and uh, you can look, <laughs> you look less like a man that's recently been kicked out by his wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will be if I don't get this prayer fixed. I'll be well, shit. 
Mr. Eric McElroy, just just um, tell us again that podcast that people need to check out that you do. Uh, yes, please do. It's called American Exchange, and I, I talked to Joe Walsh, former uh, Republican congressman. I got to talk to Mary Trump, niece of the President of the United States, wow. and um, and some other people. Uh, I'm also talking to reporters who work in the White House and stuff. That's the next interview going to be coming out this week or this week. And then I've got some really exciting guests coming up. So yeah, please check it out. Yeah, look, if you if you're into American politics now and you want to stay up to date, American. Exchange is definitely the podcast that you need. Um, Eric McElroy, thanks very much for coming on What Most People Think. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, so there it was, the chat with Eric McElroy. Do check out his podcast there. And it's just, he's so up on things. It's great to have a proper expert in. Somebody, he's American. It's good to have things that sound, people that sound American, talking about American stuff. And uh, we only have, uh, we, we, I'm going to just do the letters. We only got one uh, letter I'm going to talk about this week because um, we are almost out of time. But this was from Janet in Kent. And, and I can't believe we haven't done this one yet. Who would win in a fight between Joe Biden and Donald Trump? Well, I, just, I think it's got to be, I, I just don't think Donald Trump can fight. I don't think he's ever had to fight physically. I mean, with the size and the heft You'd think that he should, but I am not sensing any muscle tone there. I think he's got something very close to a sort of, what are the ones, uh, things, things without, uh, what are the things without fucking skeletons? Oh, there's people just screaming at the thing now. Exoskeleton, endoskeleton. Anyway, well done you for knowing, okay, sitting there all smug that you knew. Um, but yeah, I don't sense that. Whereas Joe Biden, on the other hand, I am getting, he's quite like thick set built, old guy who still works out. I mean, look, he might get a, bit, get a bit confused in the middle of the fight. He might put a little Grandpa Simpson, where's my bag? But he, <laughs> uh, well, he, yeah, I, I think that Biden will, but what would Biden do? Because he's got to take Trump down, is he? It's not just a case of being tougher. He's got to chop that tree down. I always get the impression that Trump's got quite weak legs. You know, like you see those big fat old guys with, but they've just got very like kind of toothpick thin shins. <laughs> So I think that, that Biden would just w- would sweep the legs in, in a show of unexpected geriatric dexterity. Uh, he would sweep the legs and then he would just pummel Trump in the face. Um, but that is that is not a reflection. I mean, look, me in this election, it was one of those ones. One, I don't live in America. I do. I look, I, am, I find American politics sexy, but I do, do find it quite odd the degree to which we give a fuck about it. I mean... You know, as we were building up towards a national lockdown, we were spending more time talking about how they vote, count votes in fucking Wisconsin. I mean, I'm just saying there's no American ever that set their alarm to get up early or hear about the results from Berry North. Oh, my God, man, I got to get up. I just heard the returning officer in Berry North is on the stage. This is fucking huge. OK, so that is the podcast for this week and like I say just bear in mind that all everything we said about the election was based on us recording it now and getting the podcast up so if we were wrong about everything then uh, well fuck you uh, £3 Patreons we just got Sam this week welcome Sam the £3 patron every patron uh, is appreciated so it leads us to do the reviews so this is from Jamie PG is that like parental guidance <laughs> like he just says shit every once in a while unexpectedly uh, slightly resent Jeff for making me piss about remembering login details to a long forgotten iTunes account but as Spotify doesn't do ratings I suppose this is the way great Mandalorian reference uh, love listening to the pod whilst driving to my girlfriends each weekend 
laughing along with the same voice, digesting the latest mental news. It puts me in a good mood. Um, he's just pre-ordered the book. I'm not making this up. I swear to God. I'm sure it will be great. If not, this review may be revised. Uh, this is Jamie, a Brit, currently in Ottawa, uh, Canada. Um, thank you very much for that, Jamie. Thanks for buying the book already. Um, this is from Mystic Jeff. I just listened to Jeff's predictions for 2020. He was spot on about everything apart from COVID lockdowns and shortage of PPE. Yeah, I need to listen to that back. I think I think I think I was okay on some of them, but uh, but we will re- revisit that. Uh, the first podcast in January, we will look at the po- uh, predictions that we made and, and see which ones um, stood up. This is just from Maggie. Uh, it says, "I so love this pod. Thank you." And this one is from Doc Horn. Like the UK's poor man's version of Bill Burr's Monday morning podcast. Thank you. Regular listeners will know that that's all I've really been ever aiming for is to be a poor man's Bill Burr. Stupid and smart in equal measures. Jeff Norcott can be a bellend, but in a good way. Five stars. Yeah, I look, I this is what I find odd about. Like some people say, oh, you just said something stupid. I love the stupid bit of me. The stupid bit of me is the bit I like hanging around with the most. The stupid bit of me is the one in the... <laughs> knows how to have a good night out. Do you know what I mean? The clever one is always fucking worrying about shit. Um, this is from Shitality. No, we read that one last week. So that is it from, uh, although it's worth mentioning the name Shitality again, but that is it for this week's podcast. It does seem like there will be a new president. President, yeah, Joe Biden. I'm so tired. Will he make it? Will he make, will he make it? To inauguration, I think I think they're probably the best thing to do with Joe Biden right now is to just put him in fucking deep space, sort of uh, hibernation, just to make sure that he makes the inauguration. Because to tell you something, he dies <laughs> between now and then. You think that this is a democratic shitstorm? Wait till that happens. <laughs>